0: Okay, um, so my name is Crystal Mazer. I am a freelance developer and game writer. And I've worked on a whole bunch of different game systems. I worked on uh, Chicago by Night. I worked on uh, Let the Streets Run Red and The Player's Guide for Vampire 5th Edition. I've also worked on Never Going Home, which uses the plus one system. It's World War One Eldritch Horror. I am um, the lead system for Pit. Uh, or lead developer for PIP system um, which uses a D6 system Um, so I've written for a whole bunch of different mechanics Um, I have played around with mechanics for this so much that I do game conversions in my head for fun Um, and so um, I'm actually going to teach you the technique that I use to get it into my head so that I can do what I do just in my head My other panelists here, I'm gonna have them introduce themselves. They're all both fantastic writers and developers um, and uh, have actually actual published um, conversion systems and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Uh,
1: um, My name is Brennan Taylor. Uh, I am the uh, principal game designer for Galileo Games, which does uh, Bulldogs, Thousand Arrows, and Katanas and Trenchcoats, uh, our current big products. I converted Bulldogs, which was originally a house system, into D20 back in the day when D20 was a thing, and then later converted it to a Fate uh, Core system. So I'm familiar with uh, taking existing material and converting it to different stuff. Uh, Thousand Arrows also started as a Legend of the Five Rings hack that I had made into uh, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse.
2: Uh, I'm Mitchell. Uh, I am a publisher of Penny for a Tale or at Penny for a Tale. Um, I do writing and art direction for a couple other titles as well. Um, my main work has been with Chew with Forge in the Dark, uh, as well as the gear system, which is a card based system uh, using a set of French deck as well as a tarot deck. Um, other than that, I've worked with uh, Power by the Apocalypse with like Helm Gas doing horror, as well as like uh, some other weird Euro systems. Um, so,
0: yeah. Okay, so just so I can get a feel for why everyone is here. First of all, we are talking about converting role-play game systems from one to another. Uh, we did have someone who was like, are you converting board games? And I was like, no, that's not our specialty. So if, if you are... Thinking about converting board games, if it's board games to role-playing games, you might be able to do so, might be able to figure it out. Otherwise, if it's like a board game to a board game, it's not quite what the focus is here, so just a heads up on that. Um, As far as game systems are concerned, um, how many of you are like D&D 5th edition or something like that, like Pathfinder or something like that? How many of you have like a set game that you always play in, that your group always plays in? Okay. <laughs> how many of you have a setting that you are that you have in that game, and you want to try something else? A couple you, of yeah. you. Okay. And how many of you are looking to convert like a setting that you got into like your 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 game's home mechanics? Cool. How many of you think it's Avatar that you want to because <laughs> that's a very popular one. <laughs> uh, I, I will say Powered by the Apocalypse is a fantastic system. Um, give it a shot if that is like really, really honest and give it give, honestly give it a shot, you will like it. Um, okay, that being said, this is a workshop style. I'm expecting this to be, uh, there might be some downtime where I'm giving you guys some time to work or ask questions or anything like that. Um, I am a teacher by trade. Um, if that makes you nervous, I apologize. Um, but, uh, if you guys are writing stuff or you guys are actually working like on character sheets or something like that don't worry about thinking you have to continually pay attention and look forward that's not what this this is a workshop style not a seminar style um so i might be talking you might be working on something i will gladly help you or go back or whatever the case may be and re-explain things okay um normally i do questions at the end of stuff that's not you feel free to do the raise your hand thing just so I could you get my attention. Um, but if you have a question as I'm talking, please ask it. Because I cannot read memories and or minds, and I do not want to. Um, so if you have a question, most likely someone else also has that question. Feel free to ask, okay? Um, so like I said, I'm working primarily from converting. Um, I have DD, which is I'm assuming what a lot of people are somewhat familiar with, at the very least. Um, and that's kind of why I picked it, into PIP system. And this was actually my very first thing that I learned how to convert. Um, so, what I want to do is, um, I have like the big checklist. That's my my notes for this. So, if you guys got the physical notes or you guys came up and scanned a QR code, for those of you that came a little late, there's a QR code with notes that the three of us put together. Um, If you want them, please feel free to come up and grab it. I also have resources on there as well for you guys to be able to use. I'll give everybody a second. I also have have character sheets for both my game systems as well as monsters for both my systems because I'm gonna go over how to use that into conversion. So if you want to grab something, go ahead. I have pencils up there if you need a writing utensil. Everything that we talk about is going to translate to most systems. So if we don't talk about your specific system, you can still use the basic ideas to convert those.
1: Yeah. And I'm totally willing to talk to people about individual systems as yeah. well. Yeah.
0: Same here. If you are if you are someone that needs an indiv- like a little bit more help, and uh, the individual system itself is maybe a little bit more crunchy than you're used to, like Gerps. Um, and you, you're like, I have no idea how to convert groups. Um, Then, yeah, um, we, I, I will both have our social medias, uh, all of our social medias linked in the show notes once this is posted, but we will also share our social medias and stuff like that for you guys at the end of all of this. Um, okay, so I think the very first thing is that I want to talk about before I get into like the nitty gritty there are a couple things that I want to talk about, and we as a panel kind of talked a little bit beforehand. We want to talk about, like, the aspects of what it is specifically, like the important things to actually convert. Because a lot of people get hung up on the math. How many of you actually like math?
3: No. Oh, cool.
0: <laughs> uh, how many of you absolutely hate math and you only do it out of spite?
3: Oh, no? 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 Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will say, there's got to be at least one here. Um, how many of you are just kind of eh, on the math? Yeah. Okay. Um, the math is actually one of the least important things to worry about because you're never going to get a true statistical conversion between game systems unless you're using d20 or like the same type of dice through the entire thing. Um, you can get close and that's some of the resources that I have if that's something that really is important to you. But Um, so I want to open this up to give you guys some time to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, what are the important things that you guys look at when you are converting systems?
1: So, uh, I think the, the key thing is that you want to have the new version, at least feel to the players like the, like the old version would have felt in their previous system. So you want to convert that, uh, it, you gotta be uh converting the the general uh overall aura of it. Uh it's a, that's a little loosey goosey, but um it needs to serve the needs of the new system in a way that uh feels consistent to the way that it was serving the needs of the old system.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think um what Avatar the RPG did with their combat system was very uh, ingenious in terms of like Powered by Apocalypse is not a combat system at all You're gonna be bored if you're going into it because you're rolling one die Or not one one die, but you're rolling a couple of dies compared to if you're coming from like Pathfinder or D&D Where combat is stretched out and there's all sorts of options and stuff that you can do uh, But Avatar Legends brought in like a whole like uh, intuitive uh, Powered by Apocalypse uh, combat system within that that, that kind of base um, which made it feel more of leaning slightly towards that Pathfinder path, or D&D aspect in terms of at least combat where there are options and you go turn by turn and you're, mm-hmm. there's, there's tactics and there's strategy and there are good moves and there are bad moves, um, which is always uh, enjoyable uh, in any future. Nice. So yeah. nice. Uh-huh.
0: Okay, and yeah, for me it is uh, very much about the feel. And how the setting is going to serve the mechanics, because Mm -hmm. it has to be a give and take between the mechanics and the setting. Um, If you have a mechanic that is just not working for the feel that you want, then you're going to have to try to figure out, did you place it in the wrong area? Did you think differently on this and it's not the right one? Or do you just need to kind of get rid of that entirely and come up with something else? that fits better, that works in the new system, okay? Um, so, when we are looking at that, is there any sort of advice while they're starting to look at this stuff that you guys wanna give them to kind of pay attention to so that they know what they're kind of looking at when we start doing this stuff?
1: Um, I would say, like, check out what mechanics actually serve the style of play that you're looking for. So. If, you, if you're aiming for combat, then what does the new system give you for combat, and how do you uh, convert the, the style of play that, you're, that you want? Like, with uh, Bulldogs, when I converted it from D20 to Fate, uh, the thing that I wanted was a very uh, dynamic and action-oriented combat system, so I made sure that I had that. But I also, uh, in the D20 system, had a nice big equipment list, and Fate doesn't support that as well, so I created new rules that let you customize weapons in Fate. So uh, that, that kept the, the gear aspect from one system to the other. So
2: Yeah, yeah and one of my favorite uh, aspects is uh, bringing in horror into like these different systems, especially for 5e where, uh, at least in my, my perspective, it's very tough. And I, I love horror and I love the, the dark and the twisted things um and so you kind of have like a couple levels of horror where you're going from like slasher all the way to like italian like horrific uh uh human centipede-esque uh horror where um you get into realms that it's hard to capture uh within a monster stat the truly uh horrific nature of it and so trying to figure out like okay what are some things that i can bring into this monster that make them feel horrific when you bring it in so a lot of like out of combat, uh, special qualities and abilities, um, creating in them ways to <coughs> manipulate the PCs in ways that, um, bring that horror to the forefront. I mean, a lot of horror is kind of like a, a self-looking at, uh, or self-looking, you know, looking, looking at yourself and seeing like these horrific things. Helmgas with Colt, uh, did a tremendous job with that aspect of it. Uh, some of the newer Call of Cthulhu stuff also does that as well. Um, and then uh, a couple of the uh, Free League Alien uh, scenarios do that. Um, but just seeing them kind of uh, create their monsters in a way that, um, sure, they're scary. And especially for Alien, like we've all seen that Alien before. And so it's hard to be like, okay, why is that scary now in this scenario? Since I've seen all like three, four, or five moves, I don't know. Um, but the, the special qualities that they bring into each scenario with each monster uh, for just a generic alien uh, makes it truly horrific. And so that's an important aspect. It's like, what qualities, what special abilities are you bringing in that are one fun uh, for everyone at the table and like too horrific?
0: Okay. Um, and one of the things that I recommend is that if there is something like a conversion book or like just a system book, you pick up the system book. I know Cypher System has that. Uh, PIP System, that is the whole thing. If there is actually no setting, um, there's like suggested settings and then like small little splats, but nothing large built around it. Um, if you don't have anything like that, make, uh, take a look at the book itself from a mechanic standpoint and not the setting standpoint. So remove the setting from what you are reading and take a look at it from there. And that's actually kind of where it leads into, the best way to do that is to look at a blank character sheet um, for everything because those are literally the system points and areas that you are going to want to be looking at to convert. And then um, look at it for characters as well as monsters or NPCs. Um, In PIP system, they're called extras. You're going to want to be familiar with both of the settings that you are gonna be converted with at least somewhat. You don't have to play them or be an expert at them, but you really kinda of wanna know what it is they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, one of the big problems that I had, and I'll get to it when I get to it, um, d and has death saving throws. PIP system does not. Uh, you are knocked out. It's a family friendly game. So uh, there is really no actual mechanical death. In PIP system, unless it's agreed upon by the game guide and the player, so there. So I'm going to talk about like how I figured out how to do that from a mechanical standpoint, because there is no agreement on with D and D unless the table or the players agree that I'm knocked out and my character doesn't want to come back. They're salty, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so un- unless it's like an agreement outside. There is actually no mechanical way to just have an agreement between the player and the GM and a d and table with PIP system there is. So I want to talk a little bit about how to kind of mash that together to work for both of those systems. Okay, so is there anything else that you guys want to know or because you guys will also have time uh, individual time to speak on your own. So no, is there anything good. else before we get started into... Let's get started. Okay, cool.
2: Well, I, I would say, like, uh, yeah. I, I think that's also helpful is looking at, like, system-adjacent stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, fa- f- uh, was a Forge in the Dark and Powered by the Apocalypse? Uh, play very similar uh, in some ways. Uh, and then you start seeing people branching out. Uh, like City of Mist did this really cool thing where um, instead oh. of uh, basing the dice system on the number you have in a, a stat or a characteristic, um, you're instead of picking out qualities that you feel is relevant to the action from a various set of, of different tiny like, aspects of the character. Um, uh, Chu did that as well with like, these weird uh, food-related uh, approaches. Um, and so like, even if you're looking at conversion, you're like, man, maybe this isn't working out exactly how I want. You can probably, there's probably a system out there that's kind of like right next to it uh, that might have the amount of flexibility that would make the whole process just a little bit easier. Um, so definitely look at some people who have created something new like within the last couple years uh, involving that system because they're usually trying to branch out a little bit more. And that's always helpful. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm going to get into my, my conversion thing for this. So what I want you to do is the first thing that you're going to want to look at is the game that you have. So the one that you want to convert. So for me, that's going to be the D&D one. And this is kind of a cheat because D&D Beyond actually has everything separated. If you look from a layout perspective, everything that you are going to be converting into chunks is actually separated on the character sheet. So for instance, I have, and I have post-it notes up here. Um, I also do highlighters, but what I'll do is I'm going to go through and break this sheet apart into sections, whether you circle it, whether you give it a number or anything like that. I like colors, I like visual stuff. And in fact, I like doing rainbow colors. So I'm gonna start with pink first. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look at the biggest thing. And I know in, with D&D, the biggest thing is actually going to be your basic attributes, which is strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And I'm gonna highlight that. Then I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna look again and like the skills are right there and I know that those are affected by the attributes. So I'm actually gonna do that in a similar color, not the same color, but a similar color because I know I'm gonna have to convert those around the same point. So I'm gonna go like that and they're different boxes. It's, it's I can tell the difference, but you might not be able to from here. Okay, so. Um, if, uh, so what I want you to do is to go through your character sheet and everyone has the same character sheet too. So, uh, I want you to go through and kind of put where you would place it because like I could show you where everything I do is, but everyone is going to interpret things a little differently. So I want you guys to do it the way that you would on a first glance of this or even second or third or fourth, or if you're very familiar with it, like you're I can read this thing in my sleep. So... So go through real quick and just kind of section off sections. And then does anyone have any questions about that? How to do that? Any clarification at all? No?
1: Do you have any more VPIP system
4: Um. Yes, Yes. I do. (laughs)
3: Thank you.
0: Okay, so if you are still working on this, that's totally fine. What I want you guys to do is to just keep working. I'm going to continue to talk and then if you have questions or anything like that, um, feel free to ask them or pause me or tell me that I am going way too fast. Different part of the conversion for all of this so what I want to do now is I want to make myself familiar with the PIP system okay so if you get your character sheets out I'm going to walk through PIP system and what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the things that you need to know about this character sheet and you can write in stuff as you need to so you have like this is where this goes on this character sheet okay So first off, PIP system is a D6 system, it's a dice pool system. So your characters will roll their D6s, and they will also roll the challenge rating D6s. Fours, fives, and sixes are successes on both ends, all right? Whoever has the highest wins the round, even if it's just one success, okay? If you look at the top, you have two types of health. You have physical health and mental health. And those will play differently in combat for some characters. Some characters, it doesn't. OK? Um, and there are some things where you get to choose whether you take a physical or a mental hit. OK? So you have to kind of think about that, too, with the different types of damage in Dungeons & Dragons. How could that work? OK? There's fortune, and I'm gonna tell you that fortune is things that are used to re-roll dice, add dice to a roll, or make the GM roll a dice against themselves, okay? And then initiative is what you add to your combat. Then I want you to go down to the skills. So you're gonna see things like aim, athletics, charm, Coerts, those are your skills. Those are the big things that you are going to buy into first as a character generation. Okay? Then you're going to see three lines with nothing written on them. Those are going to be your qualities. So you can probably write qualities on one of those. But those are going to be smaller things that are really, really, really specific. So, for instance, with aim, you have aim with with, uh, bow and arrow. Aim with rocks. Okay? With Molotov cocktails if you're playing that type of game. Okay? Athletics is going to be things like, you uh, um, are you a fast runner? Or are you a mountain climber? Okay? So things like that. You are going to be able to buy into up to five points in each of those. And that's what makes your dice cool. So your skill is gonna be what the base is, and then if your quality applies to the roll, you would add those dice to it, okay? So, and you can only have up to the amount of dice that you have in your skill point. So for instance, with aim, if you want to have bow and arrow three, you have to have an aim of three first before you can buy that up, okay? So your qualities can never be more than your skill, the base, all right? Everyone follow along so far? Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Advanced qualities are going to be like those really, really special, very niche things. So for instance, you have bow and arrow. I've been using that a lot. Maybe you like to do trick shots. A trick shot is going to be something that's going to be an advanced quality. You're going to have to have A proficiency in a skill at least one skill sometimes two and then at least one quality okay that you're gonna have to have on this side before you can buy this okay everyone good so far with that cool this will also add dice and then features and items are going to be things that are not really mechanic based, but maybe things like I have a deck of cards. Or I have a book that is all of my poetry. It's going to be things that might come in handy. You don't know. Um, There's an actual play where someone had a magic deck for their cards, and they had some sort of Eldritch Cthulhu horror thing coming out of a cake, and he's like, I draw a magic card and throw it and see if it works and cast fireball and the GM was like sure let's do that so you know there could be things that could have a mechanical benefit at some point but don't have anything written so it could be something cool to enhance a scene could be something that might be necessary at some point but that's about it okay that's gonna be different than your gear your gear is gonna be things like armor uh, weapons things like that that are going to add dice or make it harder for you to hit. Okay? And the connections are your personal connections to NPCs or extras and and, or characters. There is a a session zero type of mechanic in PIP system where you can make a connection to the person, a positive connection to the person on your right and a negative connection to the person on your left. And so you have built up at the table a sort of web of things that are going on before you even start. So that's what your connections are. Okay. Everyone with me so far? Okay. So now I want you to take a look and think about some of the differences and things that you might have to consider when you start converting from D and D to PIP system. Okay. And there are more mechanics and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into super, super nitty gritty because I'm assuming most of you aren't going to be converting the PIP system. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to get my game's name out there. <laughs> um, so just think about that for a minute. And then what I want you to do is to start taking a look at your two character sheets. And where would you put each of the sections from D&D into here? And you can either number them if you are a kinesthetic learner I have movable post-its if you would like to move them back and forth or anything like that. These are up here. You can grab these. Okay. So just take a moment to do that and start to see where you would kind of play around with that stuff. I'm going to cut out the silences. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone have any questions so far at all?
3: What's the
0: difference between um, charm and coerce? So charm is uh, how charismatic you can be while talking, and coerce is how manipulative you can be while talking. <laughs> so
3: positive and negative? You know, yeah. I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to say for the benefit of explanation, Coerces yes. Coercive not necessarily mm-hmm. negative. It could be that you don't want somebody to find out the whole truth about something that happened. Not necessarily negative. It might be for their own protection type yeah. of thing. But yes, for... Traditional it, connotation. Yeah. yeah. Traditional yeah. connotation would be positive and negative. Okay. okay. So for the benefit of making sure everybody has their time too, um, you can do the same thing with the NPCs and the extras. So Dungeons and Dragons, I'm assuming you guys are all kind of familiar with everything. You can, if you look at the character sheet, you can kind of break it apart. I did try to get two power level characters that are about the same, um, at least traditionally. But what I want you to do with actually the extras, I'm going to grab this real quick. Um, I'm going to go over real quick with the PIP system so that you know what you're looking at. So this is going to be general enemies, and it's going to be like you could use thug or uh, duplicate. Uh, Corrupted Politician doesn't have the whole thing printed. But you can use either of those two. doesn't matter. Um, your CR rating is how many dice base they get. So with a CR of one, they are going to get one dice. The hits are how many hit points. So even if you have like three successes against them, they're only going to take one damage, unless otherwise specified, like a weapon or magic or something else. Then there's a little description of it. And then you're going to see like a little arrow with um, bold titles. Those are going to be things that are what's called qualities. All all of our extras have qualities and at least three qualities. We do have things like a kaiju that has like five because it's Godzilla. (laughs) Like they're going to be able to do a lot more than some street gang member, you know. But they will have at least all base of, of three. Then you're going to see a C or a G next to those. That is either combat or general. C can, and combat can only be used during combat. General can be used anytime. time. OK? And then you're going to see the description of those. You're going to see either a plus 1, W, or maybe, I don't think there's any, plus B. So your dice are, in PIP system, white or black dice. The white dice are the character's dice, the black dice are the opposing dice. And those are going to add dice to the base dice pool that you just did for your character sheets. Or for for this one, like the thug, a CR1 starts with one white or one dice for them. And then they get plus one W, so they'll have two dice to roll on some things. Okay? Everyone follow me so far? Cool. Okay. So I just want you to kind of play around with the monsters on each side. Take a look at the monsters on each side and see where you would convert with each of those using the same, like the exact same method for, for the characters. Okay? So those are for you guys to play around with. And then to do the system itself, uh, there are burst dice in Pip system. So what I did with that is I used that as the advantage or disadvantage. If you have an advantage in a roll, you get a burst dice in that roll instead in the PIP system. If the enemy, or you have disadvantage, the enemy gets the burst dice. So their five, their sixes will then be able to be re-rolled against you. So that's how I converted that. Um, when it comes to death saving throws, I actually have it in some of my PIP games where you are either knocked out and then if they do more damage on top of you um you actually have to spend a fortune to not die um or they can make like a i think it's a what is it (laughs) survival they have to make a survival roll against the cr of the monster that is fighting them If they lose they die so that's how I converted that with the PIP system in mind the other thing most of the spells that are in here are already in D&D they're just already converted for PIP system save yourself the work (laughs) if it's already in there use what's in the the system already don't make don't give yourself any more work there's one have Eldritch Blast in there if you want Eldritch Blast you can absolutely figure out how to do that. So, but that's going to be the basis of where you start with all of that and playing with everything. And that's kind of how like I took post-it notes and physically moved things and that's how I played with it in my brain and that's how I learned how to convert stuff for Pip system. So now I look at it in chunks like that. And then I can very easily go to you know, this section in the book for D&D and then this section in the book for Pip system and now I know which two chapters I need to look at for converting that, okay? Anyone have any questions on this? This is a very kinesthetic way to learn this. Um, It's very visual, I'm a very visual and kinesthetic learner. So, okay, Um, so that's gonna be my section. I'm gonna have, who would like to go next?
3: You can go
2: next, yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
0: Okay, so Mitch is gonna go next. And then
2: we'll have Brennan at the end. Yeah, I, I guess my question is, like, for, for people who are willing to chat it up, like, what systems are you guys trying to convert? Like, what what the what is the interest? Mm-hmm. Don't be shy. What are you thinking about?
4: For me, um, it's, it's not so much converting from, like, one to another. Uh, like, I'm not trying to convert into... Some other things to five I'm more of getting you know, a feel for all these different systems that I'm trying to more no or less create something out of all of them. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: you're trying to create your own system, or, more or synthesize less, like, my, like stuff? Yeah. that
4: we that I I run, we over the years I have like, hey, you're playing sorcerer, so instead of spells per day, you it comes out of your like exhaustion pool for mm-hmm. you because like, it takes a physical toll out of you every time, and so that's like one different, like kind of mechanic. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's more of doing those kinds of things to not where it's like I, I don't want it to be like completely steeped in realism because that would be so boring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, wanting it to, you talked about the, like, the feel of the game, like I want each of the the characters, they have a feel as they're, like when you're playing a rogue should feel sneaky right, yeah. mm-hmm. whereas in a fighter like, you should feel bold or brave or, or whatever, like that you're in the forefront kicking ass and taking names, you know, whereas for the sorcerer it's like you're lobbing many bombs at people, right, in Mm -hmm. spell form, but it's not, uh, it's still affecting you somehow. Yeah. Anyways, that's why I'm here. Okay,
0: cool. Honestly, this is a good way because I borrow from other systems all the time. Like, Dread is one I borrow from all the time. Um, so yeah that's actually this is absolutely a really good avenue to do that and learn the different mechanics for each game
2: yeah because yeah, like especially for like a magic character there's such a variety and I would encourage you to check out Monty Cook's invisible Sun mm-hmm. um, like every character is a magic user and the way that they approach it has their own system uh, because there's such a variety um, but using a, what was the Monty cook system. Uh, cypher system there you go the cypher system it's pretty like easy to understand and and pretty intuitive so it it works out very well um but the way they just had different flavors of of magic people is very exciting i've always enjoyed like the the shadow run like every time i cast a spell it might like come back at me and also like for everyone else like kill that mage as soon as possible uh which is just i i love that aspect of it because it's such a I don't know, I guess, you know, for anyone wielding like godlike power, just the fact that everyone's gunning for you has always been fascinating mm-hmm. for me. Uh, so Shadowrun, Monty to play together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. rather than like, oh,
4: I'm all the way over here, I've got 90 hit points, you can wail on me, but I'll still melt your face. <laughs> yeah, and
2: that's another thing I think Shadowrun did very well is, uh, and I, I think Cyberpunk Red did too, uh, to some degree, was there were different realms that unless you were really good at it, um, you were easily like exploitable in terms of Shadowrun. It's like you know, cyber world, the material world, and like the magic world. Yeah, the magic world. And if you didn't have a magi protecting you, then you're you're weak. If you're a magi and you didn't have like a cyber uh, decker protecting you, you're weak against that. Um, and so in that way, like the party is like watching out for each other, and there's not one single person who's like. You know, I'm a fighter. I'm just going to wreck them. Because, uh, like, no, if you come in with a stun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Like, what?
3: Um, so, personally, um, there's a lot of content for like fighting and stuff like that. Um, great content, uh, especially like um, fan made content and stuff. Um, my friends and I have recently fallen in love with uh, Fabio Ultima which is vastly different. From- I
2: hung out with those guys last night till 5 a.m. <laughs> I regret it. But yes, <laughs> awesome, awesome game. It's a great game, um, but it's very different from like,
3: everything. Um, so looking at all this stuff for 5 E that I already have, I mean, I'm kind of inspired by that, but at the same time, I love Fabulous Ultima. So. Yeah. How, do, how do you
1: make that, how do you reuse that stuff for Fabio Ultima? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It
3: was such a different thing. Like, you know, it upwards like, a lot of Expectations for mm-hmm. role RPGs,
2: and I think that's like one of the the benefits we have nowadays is the um, the communication of different like games and stuff from all around the world because the Europeans did you know very different things. Um, Dark Eye, I think, was their equivalent to like Five E, where you're like rolling under instead of rolling over, and so everyone who comes to the table, they're like, "What the heck is a one?" It's like I crit fail, and you're like, "No, that's good, you did good. that right." <laughs> um, and so oh, even. Even, like, that simplistic approach of being, like, I want to roll low instead of rolling high uh, for that, like, for their, like, 5e, like, d and Ds game. Um, Even, like, with Free League, uh, the the Swedish company, like, their D6 system with, um, which, like, exploded, and then now they're converting to all these different settings and stuff like that. Um, Symbarum is something. If you really like uh, Fantasy and and Dungeons & Dragons, Symbarum in my mind, uh, stands out as one of the the better ones that Free League did. Uh, and they just released a, a monster, a bestiary for it. And they have some really cool stuff in there. Uh, Simbarum? Yeah, Simbarum. Okay. Yeah, Free League Simbarum. And uh, the monsters they create um, have all these qualities and stuff. So it's really easy to build a monster. Um, and so in terms of like bringing that to like, if you're trying to do more 5e stuff or if you're just like, whatever system I want to use, I want to grab stuff from uh, a system that's uh, that's flexible enough for you to just start picking things out of and bring it to whatever system you're going for. Um, Symbrum, the, the bestiaries, are very good for that because they have stat blocks, but then they have all these qualities and stuff that you can just, that built those stat blocks uh, right in you know, the next few pages. Um, so then you can just start grabbing those and, and bring them to wherever you want
5: along? Yes. um, My high school group was GURPS, which is just a wonderful system in some respects, but like other groups, not so much. But all their settings are just wonderful, and I've kind of been trying to slowly convert them over to other systems that would be more in line with my current group's taste in gaming. I mean, like, I haven't found a bad setting in GURPS, but... Most people are pretty daunted, you know, when they, they see all that list of advantages and disadvantages and skill mm-hmm. list, and then they realize, oh, wait, I need that, or I, like, it's also pretty daunting, because most of them are not used to, oh, I got shot once with an M16, and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of converting to that. And I'm also looking for, like, I think Mecca is drastically underserved. Into RPG, yeah, there's Mech and Zeta. But anybody who's touched that knows that that makes GURPS look like a walk in the park in terms of crunch. So I, <laughs> I'm kind of looking
3: for that, too. OK. So um, talking about Mecha, what are you specifically sort of looking for in terms of that aspect? Because there's been a few recent mm-hmm. indie ones like Lancer RPG that yeah. and really- Those fit. are more the
5: Gundam style. Like, I've looked at that one. I've looked at Battle Century G.
2: You're saying it'd be more like Armored Core? Uh,
5: something more, yeah. I don't quite want that super fantasy Gundam style, but I also yeah. want the hulking robot battle tech thing. Mm-hmm. Either, you know, I know that's a weird, There's. it feels like those are your two spectrums, either big hulking or near super heroic yeah. you know, mecha. I'm kind of trying to find that.
2: I mean, it's it's a teaching RPG world. There's a there's a niche book everywhere for everything. I one of my favorites, I think, is hot guys making out. Uh, so very specific. Uh, people know what they're getting into. Two people will be making out by the end of this. Uh, but yeah, someone made that, and I think that's part of the enjoyability of of role playing games and the accessibility is like, if you think about it, there's there's that answer somewhere out there. It's just you know hunting down those booth people and shaking them and be like, what do you have? Oh. Um. So, this is
5: what I was kind of trying to find that, find a game that would give me that the right amount of crunch with the right feel. So, it's like, I know I'm going to have to do this myself. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding, finding a jumping game. off point. Mm-hmm. What? Finding a jumping off point that you yeah. put as a basis for your rule set before you can. Yeah, I don't have to build my own rule set. I want to find a nice rule set that's close and then go, okay, I can hammer in whatever
3: else I need. Okay.
2: Yeah, and it's also like finding a system that's uh, at least I- intuitively easy to not mess up too much. I-, I found that difficult with Pathfinder First Edition, where me and a few people who've been playing like forever, we make our characters, and like a m- new person will come, uh, and they just get like they're not doing anything, they're not accomplishing anything. Uh, compared especially with Pathfinder having uh, what what I would call like bad choices uh, mechanically, uh, strictly, where you're like. The, the, the description of this archetype or whatever is like yeah, you'll be able to do that. Then in reality, you can't do that. Um, and I think that's also very hard for like a complex system is, is finding that like that control variable where you're like, I don't want you to be able to make a decision that is so horrific you won't be able to play. Um, which I, you know we were talking about the M16, uh, taking someone out. Uh, makes me think of. But, oh man, I have not played GURPS ever, and I feel like I need to. <laughs> <laughs> the
5: TLDR, you start off with about 100 points for your character. Your hit points are equal to your health, more or less, mm-hmm. and getting a health of 13 will cost you 30 of those points, and M16 puts out either 6-die-6 6 6 or 8-die-6 worth of damage with one round, and there's a chance the average shooter's going to hit you with two to three numbers. Yeah, I'll let you do the math from there. And like, <laughs> yeah. good body armor might give you DR ten to twelve.
2: Yeah, I like the um, what is it? Uh, is it maybe World of Darkness, but aberrant? uh okay. what, com- what company makes that that's, that's onyx Fire. path onyx yeah, path yeah some of the new onyx path stuff i feel is very like especially with aberrant uh, you're you're making those like very like custom decisions where you're using points and stuff like that so uh, i'm definitely certain they don't have a mech one but uh, i think that might be a good starting like jumping point for something like that um, and i think aberrant i feel just the Uh, The weirdness of it and the the power scale, I think, would also, like, work well with, like, a a mech sort of thing. Um, But, man, I need to play GURPS. That's what I got from that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else? Anyone else?
3: Yeah.
4: I'll just say I'm here because in the past I've kind of woven in other systems to an ongoing game. So we were playing 5D, and there was a situation where a heist uh, was coming up. And like typically in Dungeons and Dragons, it's easy to fall the trap of a heist is, okay, bro, go. Uh, and so I wanted to make it a little more interesting. I just learned about Blades in the Dark, so I converted the PCs into Blades in the Dark. Um, and I've also, um, uh, yeah, uh, so I just, I know I've done it in the past, and I know I will do it in the future, so that's pretty much why I'm here.
1: Okay, so you're trying to get 5e to Blades in the Dark, basically, is one of the things that you're after. And uh, beyond. Pretty
4: much. Yeah. yeah, just, like, I know that I will do it in the future with other systems. Like, right. We've played like, mm-hmm. 2, we've played Magical Kittens. Um, uh, <laughs> I've heard of the and almost ran that for the next game. Yeah. Um, so I just get an idea of how to convert anything to anything else, uh, or, like, what a good conversion
2: yeah. thing would I mean, like for stealth missions and heists, weirdly, I've leaned a a, a lot on the Bynight Studios LARP system um, that they do for Vampire. And they just came out with a new Kickstarter, so I don't know how that one will be yet. But at least the Bynight Studios Vampire uh, LARP rules. And so this is going to be very confusing because when you go out there, you're going to look at and you're going to see their TTRPG rules. And no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about specifically the LARP rules, uh, which is a rock, paper, scissors system um but the the fact that they have like um uh rules and abilities and stuff that help you because you know when whenever a heist comes up in an average D D party everyone's like f- looking at the paladin like you're just gonna ruin everything <laughs>
3: uh
2: you're we're gonna get into a fight why 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 bother uh for a heist if we're just gonna end up killing one everyone which is like the assassin's creed like uh style of uh of espionage. Um but yeah, like night Studios, and I think you can look at a lot of the stuff uh online for free, especially now. They have like a whole like compendium. Um but they have stuff for like, well you're stealthy enough, you can help out one or other one or two other people. Um and then especially like you chose great with Blades in the Dark. Um, I would encourage you definitely check out um was it the Battle Brothers one? Um Band of Blades. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that one was, like, a very, like, um, more leaning towards the, uh, I guess, what a D&D party would be, except, like, in a horrific uh, setting, like, post-apocalyptic almost, filled with zombies. Um, what was that one called, sir? Band
1: of Blades? Band of Blades. Yeah. You're kind of like a, a mercenary company in a, a, a war against the evil overlord, but the evil overlord won, so...
2: So it's a lot of those, like, uh, especially some of the missions on there are, there's a variety of them. Um, and I think it is a really good stepping ground to a lot of different stuff, especially if you want to bring more stuff into your Blades in a Dark game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forge in a Dark uh, mm-hmm. in of itself, like, I know Chu in City of Mist, especially City of Mist, because it's very piecemeal um i love the mini character sheets that bring up uh, a complete character sheet and those character sheets kind of can shift and change as the uh characters advance and change um which i absolutely adore just because it's so flexible love it anyone else i can i'm gonna talk at you then okay i'm gonna talk at you um so for my piece, I was specifically looking at, like, uh, trying to bring in, like, the tone and settings. Um, and I'm looking at, like, lore, Free League's Lord of the Rings, right? And everyone, everyone knows Lord of the Rings for the most part. Um, but every time I've played it, I've tried to play in a very different way. Uh, one of which I was a hobbit that just kind of did what he wanted. So he was a pretty, like, evil hobbit. Um, if he was in the modern day, he'd, like, have a gun and, like, slap someone um but it's just like i was having fun so but it's like lord of the rings uh from the perspective of the book as well as the movies it's a very like good versus evil white and black like it is it is like the i think the penultimate like this is the heroic tale uh that we get to share with each other um but trying to convert that to let's say you want to do like a more horror a la like cult uh with Helmgast, where at the beginning of the game uh, not only is there like these horrific events happening around you but you are the horrific event you are not a great person uh and you're struggling with your inner demons um and so i was looking at like okay well, how would you like bring that into free leagues uh lord of the rings um and they do have like that aspect of like the hope and despair and stuff like that but Um, With 5e, as well as uh, the kind of, uh, I guess, white and black, uh, you know, these are the the good guys and stuff like that, uh, a lot of the times um, uh, the system glosses over the the flaws. Um, In 5e, you know, you have a minus two in wisdom. And that's going to affect your saving throws. Uh, and there's guidance on like, hey, you should probably roleplay this out. But there's no like defining mechanics that say this is going to be an issue for you from here on out at every game. Um, and so bringing in cult, uh, which, you know, I absolutely adore in terms of horror, um, that has flaws like, you know, every time this occurs, and this will occur at least once a game, um, you're gonna be experiencing this huge negative, either like a, a penalty on the, on your next couple of rolls, or you are encouraged and, and almost forced to play out that flaw in a way that's entertaining to the table. Um, and I think that aspect is very important. It can't be disruptive. It has to lean towards entertaining or at least dramatic uh, for everyone involved. So it's, you know, it's an enjoyable show to watch uh, if you're looking from the outside. Um, and so bringing in that aspect in cultism, powered by the apocalypse, d10, not d6, I always forget it every time I run it, so they just end up failing all the time.
3: Um,
2: but if you're going to something more like, uh, gumshoe, uh, which, uh, in terms of, like, the, the stealthy, sneaky stuff, gumshoe I really enjoy for investigations. Uh, if you're comparing, like, Delta Green to Fall of Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu to Trail of Cthulhu, yeah. where, okay, if you fail the investigation role, what do you do as a game master? You're just like, ah, move on. Or I'm just gonna give it to you anyway, uh, because I want this to continue on. Or you're trying to figure out a way to get them that information in another roundabout way. Uh, what Trail of Cthulhu and Fall of Delta Green do is they give you an establishment of points that you can use, that you can be like, okay, obviously I didn't get that investigation right. But I do have points in X that I can just kind of bring over to bump me over to that success. Uh, and so then it, it kind of becomes like this resource management where you're like, okay, throughout this mission, there are things that I want to know that are important to me. And I'm going to save you know, X amount of points and stuff so I can get over those hurdles when it does come. Um, it also helps out with uh, a table where You know, you might have one person who's really good at investigating, and everyone else is really bad at it. uh, Because then that one person will eventually run out of resources. And so then the other people have to bring in their own resources to kind of further the narrative. Um, So that is one aspect, like, you could, you know, bring... uh, You you could bring some of that, like, uh, espionage or investigative qualities from, like, uh, I think a system that does it very well. Um, And finally... Um noir. Um noir is one of my favorite genres. Um uh capers uh is a card based system. Um that leans to like superhero noir. Uh Cithia Mist is a uh, powered by the apocalypse uh that can do noir as well as superheroes. Um or just noir. Um and I think the, the most important aspect uh, for the, the noir is um, kind of the the dramatic flair for everything um, for the capers and for um, city of mist uh, when you're doing that noir thing, the power scale lowers drastically uh, and they tell you when you're beginning a, uh, a campaign or when you're building your characters they're like these are the different scales you can go like you know superheroes, epic avatars, or if you want to lean towards like noir, these are like the qualities that you should try to take, but never go above. Um, and so whenever converting and stuff like that, um, trying to figure out like, okay, what are the boundaries and what are the lines of these are not the things I'm going to cross because then we, we jump into like other genres, which might be very confusing at the table. Um, other than that, I think my last thing is like, uh, the, I think I, I put the boat paradox where it's like, you know, if you keep removing pieces of a boat, you know, is it really the same boat and stuff like that? My, hey, my uh, opinion is that by the end of it, no matter what happens, it's still a boat. So if you have to piecemeal Mel Frankenstein uh, to make the thing that is enjoyable to the table and they're like, oh, why don't you just play this system? It's a boat. If everyone's having fun, it doesn't really matter. Uh, That's it. Cool.
1: All right. Um, so... Like I was saying at the beginning, uh, the way I approach it is by trying to figure out what feel I want out of the game. And so that's what I concentrate on the new system. Like you were talking about, you want to do a heist, the system you're using now isn't handling that well, so you want a game that does have that heist feel to it. Um, so, uh, what I take is look at, like, the, and I'm talking about, like, actual system conversion, like, take those characters, look at what the core engine of the first system is. Um, like in, a D, in, in 5e, it's rolling that d20, that's the core engine. Um, you've got your stat bonuses, you've got your other bonuses that go into it, and then compare that to the core engine of the new system. So if I'm converting something to a Powered by the Apocalypse game, it's very similar, I've still got stats that I'm adding into a set of uh, dice that I'm rolling. So that's a lot much easier conversion. When I get to like Fate, or something along those lines. Fate is, uh, is its core engine is really the aspects. So the those are descriptive phrases that give you a bonus to your roles and that you, you utilize during play to sort of guide your role play. So that's a much harder conversion. It's a little more uh, complicated to take something and move it over, but at least Fate does have skills and gear and things like that that you can Tack on as uh, additional systems. Um, fate, uh, Fate accelerated. Uh, on the other hand, is very similar in that there's there's stats again uh, that are called approaches in that uh, uh, in that system, where they are uh, essentially. Uh, am I doing this in a clever way? Am I doing this in a daring way? Am I doing this in a you know a mighty way? I don't even remember what they all are, but uh, you know how am I approaching this problem determines how i'm rolling my dice so uh you know the so what you do is you just you take those core systems and you try to convert the the general engine that you're seeing happen in the first game into one that works for the second game so uh uh or uh, for fate, like I said, uh, again, creating aspects, um, winnowing down the skill list, whether or not you use equipment or not, um, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't have an awful lot to add to this, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because it's, it's a very feel-based thing. And I kind of wanted to get an idea of what you all were trying to convert. And it, it seems like it's a lot of taking those 5e settings and using them in something else. I don't know how, what's the core engine in Fabula Ultima? Um, in Fabula
3: Ultima, you have uh... Dice for different stats. I think there's four stats from what I remember. Um, and basically different roles have different... So basically if you have insight and willpower, you have a D6 and a D8, you roll those together. Okay,
1: so you have different dice sizes for your different stats? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. so it's a dice growth system. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. so what you'd be doing is you'd be taking those core uh, things from 5e and trying to find an equivalent in Federal Ultima. Because
3: there's not much of adding
1: right exactly right there isn't much adding to those so you're converting to a die size. I've converted to cortex prime before which is another dice die mm-hmm. size game um, uh, that that one you you have a series of pools that you're pulling dice from like you're kind of talking about uh, and you build a die pool and roll that um, so yeah so for Fabula Ultima I would probably be looking at uh, you know what uh what five e's uh what's the feel of the five e uh monster uh or or or, situa- or situation that you've got in your uh supplement and then trying to convert that over to yeah. those die sizes uh take uh take a look at the stat blocks and and uh and yeah
0: Tiamat's gonna have way more dice than like a goblin oh yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah
1: yeah so I'm sorry, I don't have a lot uh, going on here because I've done so much indie stuff, and it's uh, it, it's a, it's kind of a different world. So, so weird. Um, world. Yeah.
0: um. So then, I have a question for you guys. Then, like, um, I are you guys familiar with the plus one system? The the system that Never Going Home uses.
1: I haven't played that one. No.
0: Okay. So, what the plus one system does is it uses a card mechanic at the beginning of a round where everyone kind of bets a certain card and they have to meet a a a certain threshold otherwise everything starts falling apart (laughs) and it's secret it's like a secret betting type of thing and then you have the dice rolls on top of it it's a d6 system okay so how would you convert something like a like the card aspect into a non-card aspect or adding that card aspect into something. I, I think it would be, be really interesting that. to
1: pull the secret card system into another system and sort of use it as an add-on, Okay. you know, that that's adding something uh, to the game that it, you don't see in a lot of systems, I think.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah
2: yeah i mean i i like the quality of uh i mean because i think the the biggest part there is the gambling aspect of it uh which i think transfers well to dice uh i mean especially with d6s um i've lost money in canada for gambling um so (laughs) i
0: mean and there's also a lot of a lot of uh dice gambling games like ship captain crew um or something stuff like that like bar dice and stuff like that those are all gambling games um so yeah you could do something like that too but it's just a card aspect
2: yeah and like mm-hmm. uh i mean in, in any like ttrpg i think the uh i guess the viewpoint of unpredictability despite like you know 5e or i think pathfinder 1e like there's a i think it falls between like 60 to 70 percent chances of success or right maybe right. even lower so you're like as a designer you're like i, I want them to mostly succeed but not like by but a not like lot. and not necessarily
1: yeah. not always succeed because that's where the tension comes mm-hmm. in you know,
2: so. yeah and so like you know understanding that uh, from the context of like the system be like okay 5 V tries to hit that parameter um, well my favorite part about free league games uh, is they have the percentage uh, for every uh, amount of dice pools that you have oh they
1: list it yeah yeah, yeah.
2: All, all the way up especially like that one you can push your dice and like uh, re-roll all the ones that aren't successful, and it gives you the statistics for if you had X amount of dice and you re-rolled X amount. Here's the success chance, um, which I think like all like TTRPGs could, should have. I think yeah, that having statistics masters.
1: in there would make conversions so much easier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. then you could really see sort of one to one what the differences You're are. Just
5: having like a basic, here are your chances, of these numbers coming up on your dice. Yeah,
3: yeah. So,
0: so funny enough, that leads into. The stuff that i wanted to to kind of close out with because we're coming up on some of our time yeah we are. Yeah. um so if you guys um go to the pdf or look at at your the, the print off cheat sheets that i have i actually have com, and that will actually give you the statistics for any dice rolling yeah Um, And so if you are someone who really, really, really wants those statistical feel of things, or like that's where you're kind of drawn to for that, you can use that to look at the statistics and compare them to see if you can get as close as possible um, for converting your game to whatever system that you want. Um, So it's a really, really, really helpful thing to do. I also have on there um, the uh, DungeonSolvers.com, which is a, a, a also another calculator. That one specifically started off as a and d calculator, by the way. Um, so it is kind of D&D specific, but um, you can use it for other systems too. And then um, the uh, Contract uh, RPG, and that's more of an article just talking about probability and probability statistics and breaking down like what all of this means in the aspect of probability and how that changes when you do things like, uh, you know, write magic and stuff like that, because you brought up the, what is your base, you know, engine? What is the thing that runs your right? Right. Yeah. Like, so like with D and D it's, it's a 20 sided dice with PIP system. It's a D six, everything else that's written for it breaks the rules.
1: Right, yeah, all the add-ons, <laughs> all are, the add-ons are like, are like how, how you do this uh, thing that changes the way the base rules work. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and so
0: so if you think about it that way, where you, like, magic breaks the rules. All of your stats break the rules. So if you think about it that way, and you think about it from a probab- probability and statistics standpoint, you can kind of also break apart, um, like, how to convert that way too. It's a little bit deeper of a thing. You don't necessarily have to do that. But if you do like to do that or want to use that for fun, um, if you're like me and a big nerd, um, that would be something that you could do too. <laughs>
2: yeah, and there's a, definitely a lot of, especially in the monster and GM aspect, and not just from like a, a character facing stuff. You can just uh, just take right. I mean, dread uh, in the Jenga tower uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like uh, espionage or anything like that. We're having the pool every time you fail. Uh, and then, you know, when you fail, when the whole Jenga tower comes falling down, that's that's the end of the, the espionage plot and everything just kind of comes back to the players. Um, Forge in the Dark uh, does uh, danger clocks, uh, where they're just apparent clocks that people get to see. And so they can kind of look like, why does the GM keep ticking away at that clock? I don't like it uh and then that's tension building right there yeah it's like
0: the secret word for Wee herman and every time something happens the clock goes forward but you don't know <laughs> yeah, what it is right.
2: <laughs> yeah so definitely like especially in that area from the the gm like reading uh the gm aspect of of a lot of these TTRPGs, and just you don't know, like especially for the danger clock in the jenga tower you don't really need a convert you just kind of bring it over i i stole the day it's a lot of fun yeah it, it, and that's a
1: great one that you can add on to almost any system too, too,
5: super so, simple yeah. mechanic yeah. and like you said especially when the players can see they're just like what the hell are you doing buddy?
2: yeah you just don't say anything you're just yeah. like don't
5: worry about it I'm yeah. sure it's
3: nothing yeah <laughs> Uh, she just of said I stole it from. from yeah.
2: The right, yeah. <laughs> well, I was surprised because the uh, Top Secret is a dice growth system where they have different uh, dice and stuff. But one of my favorite aspects is on the GM screen, there's this little, like, uh, this notch. Uh, and every time you fail, uh, it increases the difficulty of all other challenges for the rest of the mission. So. The more you fail, the longer the, the mission goes on, things just get more difficult. It's like Mission Impossible, just like with more stakes and less time, um, which I guess isn't really Mission Impossible at all. <laughs> right. But you, you kind of get where, like, you know, things are drastically getting worse uh, and, and more dramatic as things go on. So that's one thing I love about, like, the top secret. And it's just a little notch. that just increases the difficulty of everything, bit by bit.
0: Okay, so we're coming up on close to our time. So I want, um, if I know you guys said that you were both willing to um, help out with people if they had other questions or anything like that. So how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find your stuff? Do you have anything for sale here? Um, pitch your guys' stuff to everybody, so.
1: Yeah, my stuff is all at uh, the IGDN booth, uh, number 132. Uh, I have a game, a fake game called Bulldogs. Uh, I have a game called Thousand Arrows, which is, Powered by the Apocalypse, uh, Warring States Period Japan, and uh, one called Katana's and Trenchcoats, which is a uh, sort of a stripped-down version of World of Darkness combined with uh, Highlander and Fast and Furious. What was that
3: room
2: again? One three two. Yeah, it's like this big indie the indie game development network, uh, which we're both. I think... We're all, we're all part of. Yeah, all of us are yeah. a part of. Yeah, it, it's really fun uh, in a good group with a lot of resources if you have any hankering to like learn more about the design world um i think it's pretty much the only group. and and you can reach me at brennan r taylor uh on the social medias yeah Yeah. in thousand arrows that's one of my favorites i ran it two years ago oh did you yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. i think in Gen con or origins yeah nice it's good yeah uh i i'm mitch uh i have my cards here currently finishing up with chew the role-playing game which is Forge in the dark uh, my main thing is Necrobiotic, which is a card-based system, so it's more resource management than uh, unpredictability. Um, using a, de- a regular French uh, deck of cards that then becomes a smaller deck based on the choices you make at character creation. Uh, we're at booth one six one, which is just behind Gloomhaven, uh, so you might not have money after going by, but uh, <laughs> feel free to to grab some stuff there uh, or or just chat. So you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, and I'm uh, Crystal Maser. Um You can find me on social medias at Body and Soul 152 on all platforms. Um, and um, if you are, if this did pique your interest, awesome. Um, this is actually on sale um, at the IGDN booth for like 15 bucks. Um, otherwise, you can find it on DriveThruRPG. Um, and I do a quarterly PIP system primer where um, I take new settings and play around with the mechanics. So if you're wondering like, how like what I add and stuff like that um I'm doing robo pip right now and we've added like a whole bunch of like cybernetic rules and everything like that with the equipment um so I tinkered with that that time this time um I've done um like a dino dinosaur setting where you play dinosaurs um where I made it where you can have two different archetypes so I play around with the mechanics with this for almost every single pip system primer um what was the other one I did? I did Aliens, too, and we had a countdown timer for that um, for the um, people in black to come and get your aliens. So, um, so yeah, so uh, if you want to see some of the examples of some of the stuff that I play around with, that would be where you find that.
1: And we'll say, if you contact me directly, I'm happy to get in the weeds with you with yep. whatever you're converting, uh, talking about specifics. So... Yeah. so.
0: Um, Thank you guys very much for coming. I really appreciate you guys uh, doing the workshop and being hands-on and awesome about it. So thank you so much.